0: With Ashley Frasca Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff On 95.5 WSB
1: The following was previously recorded and scheduled to broadcast at this time
2: Green and growing, Ashley Frasca right here with you on a Saturday morning Thanks for tuning in, I'm away today But instead I am replaying some of my recent conversations with experts in their fields Some you may have heard, some you may have not, some are brand new Two weeks ago though, had Rick Smith, the pruning guru, on the show He and other horticulture experts all agree Don't prune anything right now that fell victim to that freeze The really cold weather we had the week of Christmas A lot of plants still displaying some of that freeze damage Don't prune, wait and see, wait and see Those are the three words that gardeners need to remember right now Hear more now from my conversation with Rick Smith, the pruning guru What is the harm of people that, oops, uh uh-oh, maybe last week They did cut some stuff back a little bit What's going to happen?
0: The problem that uh, will occur is that in Atlanta the weather is so Wonky,
2: wacky, yeah, crazy, Yeah. yeah
0: So after this cold snap, we can have a warm-up that would last a couple weeks, and it can produce a lot of new growth. And then if we get another freeze just happen during Christmas mm-hmm. or just a little bit you know, higher temperatures, it can actually do more damage. So you would much rather leave the exposed dead wood because it kind of insulates the live wood. That way you're safe But if you accidentally pruned it You know, it's just wait and see I wouldn't be freaking out
2: That's a good point though Because like you said Maybe the upper foot or whatever Of some lower petalums and things Were damaged but let that dead stuff stay on there Because it's kind of insulating the rest of the, the rest of the shrub Which I like that And you corrected me when we spoke a week ago Usually, you know, I'm on here saying Pruning induces growth, right? When you prune something in the active growing season It's hormonally telling the plant to put on new growth At that wound, you know, at that cut So it's wanting to put out new growth But you reminded me That is when a plant is, is actively growing So right now, you made the differential Like a lot of stuff's dormant so it's not going to be as quick to put on new growth. Is that right?
0: That is correct, okay. and and that's where patience for homeowners is so crucial because usually, whenever we get a freeze like this, it's usually closer toward the end of February. You know, so the time frame between the cold weather and when it warms up, we don't have to wait as long for the uh, new growth. Yeah. The problem now is it happens so early in the year that patience is going to be so. Crucial because now you've got two To two and a half months. You have got to Wait and see. That's going to be very Hard for a lot of homeowners.
2: Not that either Situation is ideal. Rick And I'm speaking with Rick Smith, the Pruning Guru um, Online, pruningguru.com Not that either one is ideal But say we had our choice between The freeze that happened when it did And back in the early 80s as well around Christmas Time. We're like you're saying we're going to have to wait Months for that new growth to occur in the Spring. Or What's worse, a freeze that's right up against the end of wintertime And it zaps some of that new spring growth Like we know the cherry trees start to bud out early Some of our other favorite things that come on early uh, Which one's
0: worse? Uh, the one that happens closer to spring Okay. Uh, and the reason is, is that the soil temperatures are starting to creep up to 55 degrees and higher The plant is starting to wake up the moisture from the root system is going up into the stems. And when that happens, then you get a real hard freeze. Mm-hmm. That moisture inside that stem will freeze and the bark will split. If you uh, remember two years ago, yeah. maybe three, uh, that happened. And azaleas, gardenias, even some daphnes, they really took a beating. I remember uh, Because that. of the bark split. It was It was horrible
2: Yeah We are still seeing the effects Of that cold damage The freeze around Christmas And you're telling folks Just be patient We're going to have to look At that ugly shrub Or hedge for a little bit longer
0: That is correct And as you mentioned In your Comments earlier was that you have that osmanthus that hasn't or tea olive that hasn't defoliated just because it's up against your house. Yeah. With the damage of plants, it's really situational. So if you have an your all your osmanthus, uh, excuse me, I'm botanical name, uh, the tea olives uh, out in the open. Any plants that were out in the open, those are the ones who are going to be damaged the most because they're the most exposed. I'll tell you something that I've been seeing a lot lately is that, for an example, plants that have been sheared mechanically, for example, lower petalums, mm-hmm. I see those damaged more than the lower pedalums that have been pruned properly. Hmm. Because they only have a thin layer of foliage Because of they've been sheared So that's what I've been seeing out there
2: That's a really good observation too And when I drive along Town Lake Parkway in Woodstock There's a stretch there that the, the hedges are alternated, right? They're little meatballs There's a camellia uh-huh. pedlum, A camellia pedlum. And they're all pruned and cut to be the same size as one another And when those camellias were blooming back in like October, November there was only a few flowers on each You almost wouldn't have even known they were camellias Because they've been sized so extremely, you know, limited That the landscape crews are cutting off the buds
0: You know, there's a thing oh. to be said with formal versus informal And if you decide to do formal Which is where you're shearing everything into a tight ball A uh, green meatball, as you said, or a square, or a Mickey Mouse There's going <laughs> to be a price to pay Uh, One way or another It may be the freeze It may be defoliation um, In the center And you just have a dome There's a lot of reasons Of why not this year
2: Wow If you've taken nothing else Away from this show What Rick just said right there Is so key And if that's your look If that's your intention To have more of a formal You know Boxwood hedge kind of look Get the right plant Right, Don't force a lauripedulum that can go crazy Or a camellia that wants to be big and wants to flower Don't force those into something they're not wanting to be, right?
0: Absolutely
2: Oh, goodness gracious Like you and many others, customers are freaking out Noticing damage to all kinds of plants Some of the ones that you have seen firsthand Daphne even, uh, viburnums, distillium I mean, there's a lot of things that folks are looking at freaking out, right?
0: Oh, yeah. As soon as I started walking customers' gardens about two or three days after the freeze, I let my office know and say, we need to get a newsletter out now because we're about to see some damage and we're about to get a bunch of phone calls. Mm And, of course, it happened. And I was glad to see that other professionals were putting out uh, bulletins as well to say, hey, you know, this is what's going on. Be prepared. So at least the customers, or should I say, homeowners, were more aware and now they're informed on what not to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you're on my Facebook page, you know, commenting and responding to uh, listeners' questions Mickey Gasway's on there, Bruce Holiday's on there So if I don't get back to people, I've got folks like you kind of checking out the page too Giving folks advice, and Mickey Gasway's telling them much the same Wait and see, three words that we're going to need to really exhibit patience over the next few months Wait and see Um, Is that the same case with uh, Daphne as well? A couple of folks have asked me about their Daphne Uh.
0: Man, I'm so disappointed with my yeah. Daphne. It got, it got hit, too. I am so glad that the bark hasn't split on them. We may not get as many flowers as we have in the past because mm-hmm. some of the tips of the buds were burnt. Of course, the foliage has completely come off. So that is definitely a wait and see. That is definitely something you don't want to prune uh, until you see what has happened damage-wise.
2: So one of the conversations on the Facebook page from a few weeks ago, I shared a photo of Paul's Sago palm, and it's got about, I don't know, five or six Fronds that you can definitely tell are dead now I want to ask you what to prune right now is there Anything that it's appropriate to prune and I was thinking Paul and Jan from Milledgeville is actually On hold and has called about a sago palm as well Um, obvious damage to the leaves with that in that Situation okay to cut those
0: that's further south and is here in Atlanta so they probably didn't I'm not quite sure how much damage that they got but if they have a lot of foliage on there, I would definitely just kind of leave it until you know for sure that we're out of the chances of another bad winter coming because we're still early in the winter. Yeah, we can still get another snap. That's why it's so important to wait and see.
2: But maybe just a couple of fronds. I mean, like in the case of Paul and you and I were talking four or five fronds. Yeah, okay to cut.
0: Yeah, if you have one, if you have four or five yeah. those, yeah, you can remove. And I liked your comment about. Out, just go ahead and put mulch or something Around the crown to insulate it That was great oh, thanks. See, if, you have a, if you have a bunch of foliage And a lot of it's burnt back Just leave it on there Just for insulation And then once it starts warming up, then go ahead and cut it off
2: Yeah, y'all want to know what to do with some of these leaves that are still on the ground? Pile those leaves up over things If you've got some bulbs you're still trying to protect Uh, If you're like me, you leave your canna lily and elephant ear bulbs in the ground I had done that previous to this freeze But pile those leaves on top really, really thick uh, to protect and insulate some things So uh, give me just a couple other things that your crew may be pruning right now, though
0: you know, hollies didn't receive a lot of damage or Good. any damage. Um, you know, the Chinese and Japanese hollies, the Chinese being like the R. Stevens or Rotunda hollies, the compacta hollies, which is the Japanese, uh, they're the ones that people get confused, looks like boxwoods. Mm-hmm. Those didn't really receive any damage. And these, uh, crepe myrtles. Most plants that are deciduous really did not get damaged by the cold But crepe myrtles, you want to go ahead and start pruning them now anyway
2: But no crepe murder We don't need to cut them all no, the way back to no, the main no, trunk no, no, Let's no not cut myrtle. them like that Just because your neighbor did it that way doesn't mean you do
0: <laughs> The rule of thumb is you don't have to prune a crepe myrtle Yeah. You know, the only reason you prune a crepe myrtle is you know you want to keep it at a certain height you know bring it down a third to maybe a little bit more, but bring it down by half. Oh my God, no
2: <laughs> that drives me crazy. okay, so anise hollies, uh crepe myrtles, palms, if there's only a couple of fronds. what do you do about banana trees? I'm not super educated on banana trees.
0: So my banana uh, tree i I cut it down two or three weeks ago and you can cut it down now and then just put pine saw around the crown I mean, Bananas—that's a plant. Believe it or not, that's a hard plant to kill. Oh, even up here. Uh, just insulate the crown after you cut it down.
2: Well, Rick, I know you are very active uh, with the Georgia Urban Ag Council and our friend Mary Kay Woodworth, and also you chair the Georgia GCLIP. What does it stand for again?
0: Georgia Certified <laughs> Landscape Professional. Yes. And uh, there's probably about 300 to 320 that are uh, certified. So if you're Georgia certified. You're also Alabama certified oh. And we're always you know looking for ways to help the industry and promote the industry
2: Rick Smith, the Pruning Guru, I so appreciate you coming on the show today This is all very timely and really good information um, How do folks find you?
0: On my website at pruningguru.com Or they can actually call me at 678-445-1495
2: Love it Love having you on the show And want more folks to get into the industry And become Georgia-certified landscape professionals, too Thank you so much
0: Absolutely All
2: right, Rick, have a great weekend
0: Thank you for having me on
2: Coming right back with the top three things to do in the landscape This weekend, you're listening to Green and Growing on WSB I'm WSB meteorologist Christina Edwards Plentiful sunshine today Warming up to a high of 57 through the afternoon weather update brought to you by finley roofing
1: green and growing with ashley frasca here's your garden to-do list this week
2: all right number one plant more pansies maybe english daisies in a sunny bed when the weather is mild use plants in three inch or larger pots to make an immediate impact in your landscape or on the porch or on the deck Number two, mist house plants. They likely need that humidity because we've had the heat running in the house, right? Watch for brown edges on houseplant leaves as well Mist the leaves twice each day Move them away from drafty areas And I want you to wipe the leaves down too They often collect dust on the top And that keeps them from being able to photosynthesize And receive the sunlight And number three, prune clumps of pampas grass I just saw my neighbors doing this with a chainsaw the other day Sometimes that's what it takes You need gloves Prune those clumps of pampas grass down to about 12 inches tall You can go that far down Of course, a gloved hand to pull out all of the dead Stems in the clump, and something else to go along with maybe planting pansies and English daisies. Um, I've also planted another hellebore to replace one that I lost, Lenten Rose. Love those this time of year. They're going to keep putting on a really good display. And if you want a really nice, simple flower arrangement in the house, once the daffodils start to open up, they look great with hellebores with Lenten Rose. So, uh, to piggyback off of what Rick Smith said here in the last few moments, the pruning guru. Getting into the industry or just finding someone reputable in the landscape industry When I'm telling you that you need to not prune anything I've already seen some landscape crews around Metro Atlanta Go into people's yards with loppers And chainsaws and be cutting things And that worries me Crepe myrtle hollies may be a couple of the few things To be pruning right now So urbanagcouncil.com That's the website for the Georgia Urban Ag Council Urbanagcouncil.com And there you can find a pro Hiring a landscape professional If you're looking for someone Really reputable that's going to do right By you and by your landscape All right, coming up in the next half hour My recent conversation at the beginning of January With Joe Lample, Joe Gardner, all of the things that he's getting into right now And reminding us Seed starting time is coming up If you're wanting to do that in the house In the next month, month and a half To have a lot of plants out in your summer garden Joe's got just the right advice for you So stay tuned, I'm glad you're here On a Saturday morning, I'm Ashley Frasca And you're listening to Green and Growing Right here on 95.5 WSB
0: Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB.
2: Someone that I know, a good friend of mine and a great gardener that cannot wait for spring, I think is his favorite time of year. It's Joe Lample. Joe Gardner, how are you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am fine. You just got me thinking about what is my favorite time of the year because i I love this spring so much for, obviously, the reasons we're probably going to talk about. But, yes, and you're you know, so
2: busy 12 months out of the year mm, that, I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if you slow down to really think about what your favorite season is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I had to ponder that for a second, because I'm <laughs> running at a 1,000 miles a minute and. uh but it's all good. We live in a great part of the country to to get out in the garden pretty much year-round, uh, with the exception of crazy few days like we just had a couple weeks ago.
2: Well, and the amazing thing about you, Joe, too, is is having a national TV personality and a nationwide mm-hmm. television show, Growing a Greener World. Um, yeah. You still have to kind of stay in sync with the gardeners that aren't as fortunate as us You know, mm-hmm. you've got viewers in Montana, you've got viewers in <laughs> Idaho And you're like, okay, well, their gardening season is, of course, more limited than ours uh, But they all share just that that wonderment and that anxiousness to get out and, and garden, right?
1: Do they ever? Yes, they do And I always have to remind myself that, you know, a lot of people don't have it as good as we do As far as the conditions to be able to get out there quicker and for longer than we do, and um, I have to remind myself of that. And if I if I forget, I get reminded by them <laughs> to uh, to don't forget about them up there because they uh, their seasons are obviously shorter, and um, and uh, but they still love their time.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all need yeah. it. It's therapeutic. I think it's probably a resolution <laughs> for for most people listening to spend more time outside this year and every year we say we're going to do it every year we say we're going to start you know a, a demonstration garden or raised vegetable beds or something like that and this is the year to do it there's no better time than now to start on those yeah. and i have been you know following you from afar we haven't really gotten to catch up in the last few months we've both been so busy yeah. but uh mm-hmm. thank you for coming on today that means the world
1: oh gosh it's been it's been too long i mean i know we talk about doing this a lot Sooner than now But at least we pulled it off For today And I've been looking forward to it And a resolution That we should both make Ashley Is to do this more often So we don't let busyness Get in the way Of good conversation
2: Agreed Agreed And I know all of the the things That you have to offer today A lot of listeners Are going to benefit from So they follow you At joegardner.com And they watch the show Growing a greener world How has that been going?
1: That's been going good You know this year We did take uh, We were on hiatus this year Because we were focused on the new course that we, we we're working on for the online gardening academy, which is called Organic Vegetable Gardening, and it's it's something I've wanted to do actually for for literally years. When I since I first hosted uh, Fresh from the Garden on the DIY Network, and that was three years of teaching people how to grow food from seed to harvest, focusing on one crop at a time. So each episode was singularly focused on a particular crop like tomatoes or cucumbers or melons or whatever. And each of those would be one show. But that was 2003, three, four, and five, And since then, nothing's been done like that. And then it wasn't even done organically. And I thought, what a great opportunity at some point in the future to recreate that series from my own garden here in Milton. Uh, similar garden, only bigger, a little bit bigger. And teach it my way and employ organic principles and things that I can do without the restraints of, you know, television network telling me that what I can and can't do. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's what we did this past year. We finally we finally put things on hold with Growing the Green World for a year so that I could pull my crew in that films that show and come to my garden pretty much every day from March until just before Christmas and capture everything growing in the garden. So we probably grew 35 different crops, warm and cool season, and showed how to grow them literally from the either the seed of the seedling going into the ground all the way through harvest, and all the important steps along the way to get those plants to harvest successfully, including pest and disease management watering and fertilization. So it's super concise, and so that's why we couldn't do both.
2: Well, it makes sense that you need the experts that are very good at TV production for this because yeah. the Online Gardening Academy and the featured mm-hmm. courses that you offer, which I definitely want to get into and let folks you know, be made aware of what the courses are, the production quality is fantastic. And like you said, it's like watching your television show from the early 2000s but this is at my own pace. I can start mm-hmm. and stop the videos when I want. I can go back and rewatch a section that I wasn't really clear on, and you work at your own pace. It's really a yeah. fantastic modules the way you set those up.
1: Thank you. For online learning, you need to have the flexibility to do it on your schedule, on whatever device you've got, not be you know tied just to a TV, for example. We took all of that into consideration when we decided on the platform and, and how to create the content.
2: JoeGardener.com is where you'll get started And then go to courses And you can find more about the Online Gardening Academy Before we get to that Because we're really mm-hmm. talking about you know Some summer vegetables yeah. there Growing tomatoes yeah, yeah. and other things But I want to ask you How your cool season vegetables Fared with that Christmas freeze How are things looking And how did you cover
1: them? Interesting you ask me that So uh, yeah, I had all my great cool season All the brassicas And everything was looking good And, and fortunately I was able to harvest a lot of all of that before I went out of town, right before that weather hit. I think the day I left was the day it started really going down in single digits. And so I'd covered everything up with row cover, uh, but that was about it. And when I got back, everything was pretty much mush. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I had broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage, and they are cold, hardy plants. And and they can handle temperatures down to mm, 25 Fahrenheit um, before they start to show impact. But I will tell you this what really did the plants in was not so much the cold, because like I said, I had them covered with some row cover, and that that keeps the frost off, and frost doesn't really kill these kind of plants, but for prolonged periods of time, it can do it, but what really got it, and my point in telling you this, is it was the wind. Uh The wind can desiccate that foliage and, you know, obviously dry it out, combined with the cold weather, and when you put prolonged timing into that that's really what did it in because when i came back my kale which is pretty much the most bulletproof plant i have in my cool season garden looked really good and i'm like wow that's awesome and i didn't even cover it up oh but in the subsequent days it started to show the effects of the wind burn and Mm -hmm. and and now you know there's new growth coming out of the of the top but the foliage that was there that was exposed to the wind and the cold, you wouldn't want to eat that because it's kind of brown and, and doesn't look so good. But it's because mainly of the wind. The cold alone wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that.
2: Gosh, yeah, and I mean, I used a sheet, and it was so important whether you used frost cloth. A sheet was probably a little heavy, but whatever covering you used, even a cardboard box or a bucket or something like that, very important to at least take that off the next morning, even though it was still cold. I mean, we still woke up at 9 and 10 a.m., you know, to temperatures that were below 20 degrees, but not letting the moisture build up underneath those covers or the weight of the wet you know, frost yeah. cloth or sheet or something Weigh those down But you're right I mean, I thought my broccoli plants Looked pretty good for the next day or two And then uh-huh. started to lose the green color Then started to go yeah. limp And like you said, they ended up just being mush So I planted too yeah. late Didn't have any harvest from any of those um, And especially mm. like the leafy crops They just did yeah. not I mean, some of them, the leaves Just got way too wilted and too much moisture And that was the end of that <clears throat>
1: Well, you know a trick there and I and I can totally relate to that and I did a podcast yesterday that's coming out next week about 10 look back lessons I learned or oh. were reminded of for 2022 and one of them was timing on planting your warm or your cool season crops and for the cool season crops what you just said is very important because we we need to know or be reminded that cool season crops love to mature in cooler weather but they do not mind warm weather when they're planted. So by putting your But like if you wanted to start seeds indoors in the middle of July here in the Atlanta area for your brassicas, your broccoli, your cauliflower, your kale, all of that, and then set it out in the garden, plant it sometime late in August, that's giving you time that those plants need to mature coming into cold weather before it gets too cold. And they don't mind starting out in warm weather. They're fine with that. You just don't want them maturing in warm weather. So. You and I both need to, you know, mark on our calendars to get an <laughs> yeah. earlier start next summer for our cool season things, so we don't have this happen again. Because there's plenty of time here, especially if we get started at the right time.
2: Well, and I mean, what plant doesn't love warm? Nutritious soil, right? So the roots are getting established That's really most important What that's about at the beginning of planting Is that root establishment And then you're right Mm -hmm. You said as the weeks go by And the weather cools off a little bit That's when really the leaves and the foliage Is starting to appreciate the cooler weather And kind of the indicator for the Mm -hmm. plant To start doing its thing
1: Yep, and and then when we get an earlier start the, The sun is higher up in the sky So you have more photosynthetic power driving those plants and feeding those plants from above and then as the months wane uh the the sun is lower in the sky the days are shorter and so you can't get that back and so you really want to capitalize on the best of the uh, the opportunities that the sun provides in that warm weather so yes let's all get started earlier next year and same thing applies coming into the In the end of the summer, you want your cool season crops to mature before it gets too hot Mm -hmm. so you can start them ahead of the last risk of frost, too, outside.
2: So, now here in the Atlanta area or North Georgia, uh, when can we do round two of cool season stuff? Can we,
1: or do we just sit back and wait? So, now we're in real time, you're talking about. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sow in the next week or so, I'm going to start all my cool season crops inside so I can get my broccoli and my cauliflower and my cabbage and my kale and all of those kind of plants. Uh, Out in the garden, already growing as seedlings about four weeks before April 15th Which is roughly our last risk of frost in Uh this area So they'll have four weeks of growing time before, you know, the frost is gone They don't mind frost But I want them to mature before we get into, like, mid-June Because then it gets too hot and they start to bolt And, you know, you missed your opportunity So starting early there is key, too
2: So we still have enough time I mean, that's promising And and I don't really think of... (laughs) Year-round vegetable gardening, I should. I need to kind of reframe my mindset on that. But really, there's two mm-hmm. great windows of opportunity to be able yes, to do cool are. season, and kind of in the summer too. Like you know, you've recommended plant the tomato plants kind of early, but then when you have round two and keep tomatoes going, I mean, you can do another planting mm-hmm. in what June or July.
1: Sure can, and a lot of times you you get a fresh start on your tomato plants that you you get them in the ground. Then you missed a, a disease cycle that may have moved through, oh. and the pathogen has run its course. And now you're out there later in the season with plenty of time to get, you know, ripe tomatoes, but you've passed, you've passed by some cycles of some of the plant diseases that affect tomatoes. And you could really end up with great looking tomato plants with lots of fruit and not as prone to diseases. And, you know, if we're
2: in the, uh, if we're buying the tomato varieties too, that are determinate, meaning they all come on at Mm -hmm. one time, and then you're kind of disappointed that, you know, maybe come May or early June, you're like, oh. My tomatoes are done So that's when you can Do another plant And get more
1: Yeah and in the meantime You can take suckers Not so much off The determinate plants But the indeterminate, huh. The ones that keep growing Yeah and pot those up And then you your plant You know you've got Instant genetic clones Of your favorite varieties Ready to go As new plants That can keep on growing
2: Look at you See I'm okay I'm, I'm motivated now I was so disappointed At the outcome Of my broccoli And my Brussels sprouts Over the last couple of weeks So alright round two Well Joe If you'll stick around I want to yep. talk more About the Online Gardening Academy Looking okay. ahead To starting seed For our summer vegetables And the latest addition You have to the garden farm I've admired the pictures <laughs> I know you are so happy It's been a long long time coming, so I'm going to let you share that Uh with listeners, too. Okay. Cool. Follow him online, joegardner.com. We'll be right back. More with Joe on 95.5 WSB. Back with me now is national television host Joe Lample of Growing a Greener World. And, Joe, I tip my hat to you. A national TV audience, you kind of got to know all of the zones.
1: Yeah, you do. It's hard to know the specifics for every growing region because sometimes I get asked, You have to have a very broad knowledge of a lot of best practices related to gardening.
2: One thing, though, that all of us can relate to is seed starting. And I've learned so much Mm -hmm. over the years from you when it comes to that. You've really been my one-stop shop for starting seed and inspiring me to do that because everyone's got the same condition indoors, right? As long as we have what we need, everyone can start plants inside from seed.
1: They can, although everyone can. A lot of people don't because they feel like it's, too complicated or intimidating or they don't quite know where to begin you know we created a whole course on master seed starting but if you want to just get started if you've got some good you know well draining soil some sterile soil mix that doesn't have any disease in it and some seeds that aren't too old and a light like a fluorescent shop light that's kind of all you need to get started it's not complicated you can really go from there and get excited about it but you don't need to uh, invest a fortune and you don't need to know a lot to get started
2: That is something I could be doing You know, we're kind of itching to get back outside, Joe And gardeners hate Mm. the wintertime Because there's not a lot that we could be doing But one thing we can be doing is thinking ahead And getting the seed packets that we want And and getting excited Mm -hmm. about the plants we're going to try
1: And before even that, if you've got seed packets laying around from last year Or who knows, 10 years before Take an inventory of what you've got a lot of those seeds that you may have could still be viable, meaning that they would germinate if you planted them. The first thing is to gather up all those seeds. And if in doubt, like at the seed pack, they'll all have a year date on them. And if they're more than three years old, you might want to check their viability. That's such an easy thing to do. Take a few of the seeds out, dampen some paper towels, place the the seeds in the damp paper towel, fold the towel over a couple times and put it in a ziploc bag pre- for a few days and then check to see if the seeds have sprouted you know they they'll send out a little radical root and a new yeah. shoot and and that lets you know if um if they're still good and if five of the ten i always like to sow ten of those into those paper towels okay if five of the ten germinate that tells you your, your viability is 50 percent. so if you want ten plants in the garden to sprout you want to plant 20 seeds because of the 50% viability There's I like, a the, I like the
2: experimentation Yeah, that way you can afford to still Use some for experimentation and have Some left for the garden. We will be right back More with Joe Lample, host Of Growing a Greener World and author Next on WSB